You are freer than you think. It's like the ultimate form of freedom. You expound upon that freedom to develop on this planet. True freedom comes from within. It's the ability. Thinking to myself, I can help you or I can destroy you. Man is a two-time felon. I work really hard and I've been, a, I've been a life learner. When things are feeling tough, let yourself be surprised. The world favors risk-taking. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Freedom Pact. Welcome back to the Freedom Pact podcast. And I want to ask you guys, are you ready to leave your comfort zone? Because that is what today's episode is about. I am speaking to Ben Aldridge, the author of How to Be Comfortable with Being Uncomfortable, 43 Weird and Wonderful Ways to Build a Strong, Resilient Mindset. Ben is an adventurer who believes that doing challenging things makes us feel better, stronger, and more alive. So by routinely throwing himself into quite unusual situations, he's overcome his own severe anxiety and has created a unique method for building mental toughness through exciting experiences. So that is what we're talking about today, along with some other stuff, including stoicism and more. So it's a jam-packed episode of very actionable information. So you guys will leave today's episode and you'll have so many things to go and try out to build yourself a strong, resilient mindset. So let's jump right into it. Ben, welcome to the Freedom Pact podcast, my friend. Thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to speak to you today. So we're here today to talk about this book. Um, Absolutely phenomenal concept for a book, and I really thoroughly enjoyed reading it. I especially loved how, how much practicality was in the book, because I think, you know, in this sphere of personal development, it's easy to just talk about ideas without giving any action, but this really focuses on the action, which is why I was really impressed with. And it begged the question for me, where did you personally start this journey into building a resilient mindset and becoming comfortable with being uncomfortable? What did you struggle with initially that made you look into all this stuff? So for me, this whole idea came about uh, as my response to severe and debilitating anxiety. A few years ago, I was hit with this terrible, terrible anxiety and I started having back-to-back panic attacks and I didn't know anything about mental health at the time. So this just completely knocked me for six. I didn't know anything about what was happening to me and it was a very frightening experience. I didn't have anything in place to deal with it. I didn't have any tools or tricks that could help me. So this project has basically been my answer to that and how I've tried to build resilience in the face of something like this, which at the time was the worst thing that could have happened to me, this extremely negative event, or what I initially perceived to be a negative event, ended up turning into this uh, amazing journey and it was a catalyst for extremely positive change in my life. And that's really the start of the whole project was from that moment of very anxious and panicky mindset. What were the first initial steps you took when you realized, you know, this is something you wanted to work on? Where did you, where did your journey start? Where did your education start? What did you start looking into initially? So the first thing I did, I went to the doctor and she gave me a series of things that I could do. And she suggested 
uh, talking therapy and gave me a few other things. But to be honest, I'm quite stubborn. And at the time, I didn't really feel like I wanted to go down that route. Uh, I needed to educate myself on what was happening. Um, so I started reading and I started consuming content. I've honestly never read so much in such a short space of time. And that really changed everything for me. They started exploring ideas and loads of things uh, really resonated with me. But the core idea I fell in love with was Stoicism. And the Stoic philosophers of ancient Greece and Rome were fans of deliberately stepping outside of their comfort zone in order to build resilience. And they would do this in loads of different ways. They would, they would uh, expose themselves to the cold and the heat. They would sleep on the floor to practice discomfort. They would fast from food and water. And they would do all these wonderful things. And I love this idea, the idea that you... We know where to go to train our bodies, but where do we go to train our minds? And the Stoics used to do all of these challenges to practice their philosophy. So I started to do these things myself and inspired by the Stoics, I created a set of challenges that I could start doing to practice all of the tips and tricks that I've been reading about. And this it was the platform of these challenges that allowed me to really get into detail and test out all of these ideas that ultimately turned my life around. Mm. You mentioned in the book as well that the, the golden rule of Stoicism is the only thing you have control over is how you respond to external events. Where would you suggest people start if they, you know, if they want to dive in, into Stoicism and they think that there are things they can learn, what can they learn from the art of Stoicism? So I think if you want to get into Stoicism, uh, it's very easy to dive straight into a couple of the, the core texts. There was um, Marcus Aurelius is one of the key players within Stoicism. And his, uh, his book, Meditations, is incredible. And this was written thousands of years ago. He was the Roman emperor. And this was his reflection. It was never initially supposed to be published. And it was just his way of dealing with all of the adversity that he had to face at the time. And he was a big fan of Stoicism and a lot of the things he writes about are incredibly relevant to what's happening to us today. Uh, and that's what I loved about it. It's timeless. So many of the ideas. So I think going straight to uh, Marcus Aurelius is a great place to start. Uh, and there's, there's so many other philosophers as well. I think Epictetus and uh, Seneca are the other two who are most famous mm. within that Stoicism. So I think Exploring their ideas is a great place to begin. And then I think it's, there's so many, so many people writing about Stoicism as well. There's loads of other books. And I particularly like Ryan Holiday's um, The Obstacle is the Way. That's another great place to really dive into Stoicism and see how it applies to modern life. Because it's very practical. And that's, that's why I like it as well. You can actually use it um, to face the challenges that we have. You mentioned um, meditations there, and the thing about that piece of work is it's almost essentially a journal, like you mentioned. And you do talk in the book about, you know, the power of journaling and what I can do. How have you dealt with that process of journaling? What has it done for you? And what benefits can the listener get out of if they started journaling today? What could it do for them? I think it's just a bit of self-awareness, really. And it's shining a torch on your own behavior and 
what happens to you. And I think it helps you to look at things that are going on in your day-to-day life and seeing what you can learn from them. And this whole project has really been about that, learning from everything that I've been doing, especially with some of these challenges, some of the more bizarre ones and some of the more demanding ones. It's always about finding the lesson in everything that we face. So I think journaling is a very good way of doing that, especially if you take pen to paper. You're having to really think about what you've experienced and reflect on what it's taught you. And I think that's a, that's a pretty important thing to have as part of your daily routine. Now, you are not a Buddhist, but you do believe that there is plenty of value to be found in the philosophy. It suggests that our mind is the source of our suffering. So I wondered, can you talk a little bit about what you discovered about the noble truth process and and how we can use that to sort of relieve ourselves from maybe mental torment or mental anguish? Yeah, so Buddhism was another idea that really resonated with me. Yeah, I'm not a Buddhist at all, but I just love collecting different philosophies and ideas from loads of places. And that's in the book, you'll see that there's loads of different things uh, that have resonated with me that I write about. And in Buddhism, there's this relationship with suffering, which I think is very interesting, that we are all going to face suffering and it will either be physical or mental. Uh, Physical is quite easy to understand. Because if you fall over and you hurt yourself, then you're in physical pain. So you're suffering. But there's a whole layer of mental suffering that we can add to that. When we start to complain about it or when we, you know, make things worse. I think driving is a perfect example. When you get stuck in traffic, we can torment ourselves about the situation. and We can make it worse. Um, Another one being stuck in a queue. Or let's say you've queued outside the Apple store for days had to buy um, the new iPhone and then you drop it instantly. You can imagine the mental anguish that you experience off the back of that. So Buddhism talks about how do we deal with that and how can we um, change our relationship to that suffering and actually give it value. Um, So there's a lot of ideas there that I found really helpful. I found meditation to be particularly useful and the idea of being a more present human being and trying not to live in the future too much and project um, what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen. And living in the moment is uh, really, really helpful, I think, especially if you're anxious or um, you just want to bring a bit more presence to to life rather than always getting caught up in your head. I think that's something that Buddhism really taught me. And I think it can be very valuable to a lot of people, actually. One thing you mentioned in the book is this, cognitive behavioral therapy now can you give us some examples uh, perhaps of how that can be used to our advantage or we may have used it without even knowing what it is yeah absolutely i think the the easiest way to think of it is it's just blasting your thoughts your negative assumptions on something with logic you're just really questioning everything that you're thinking and you're not weighting all of the thoughts that you have um, so heavily that they're true because we not everything we think is true. So I think that's something that can be very helpful. And it's just questioning, questioning what happens when you initially have a negative response about something. In the book I talk, there's an example about um, <laughs> you go on holiday and you go to Spain or somewhere and you decide that you're to watch a shark documentary you're going to watch Jaws before you go swimming and suddenly you've got this uh, 
instant fear of sharks is they're on your mind and you don't want to get into the water because you've got them in the forefront of your mind. And with CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy, it's all about questioning those thoughts. So you would actually use logic to try and fight back and you can, you can systematically work through um, that fear and you can say, hang on a minute, I've, I know that I've just watched this documentary or that movie. Um, that's probably why they're in the front of my mind and you can keep questioning your thoughts. And when you do this enough, I think it becomes more automatic. At first, it's harder to do because I think um, you're really having to fight hard to question those thoughts initially. But then with time, you get better at doing it. And then the logic will help you to uh, overcome that. So that, that kind of fighting it with pure logic is a great way of, uh, of dealing with something like that. I remember about a year ago, I took a trip to Mount Everest Base Camp. Now, to get on and off the, the mountain range, you had to take this flight from uh, Luckler Airport, which is an airport that sort of drops off the edge of a cliff. It's dubbed the, the most dangerous airport in the world. So leading up to those flights, I remember I was just, I was watching videos of, you know, the planes crashing. I was looking at statistics of how many people have died. And I was just filling my head with all these stories of what could go wrong. And I got myself into a terrible state. And I remember somebody I was on the trek with sat down with me and they said, right, let's talk about it reasonably. I said, if the flight was that dangerous, would the pilot realistically be doing this as their full-time job? And then we went over sort of, you know, we went over the logic as to why this wasn't as dangerous as I built it up in my head. Would that be an example of CBT? Yeah, I think so. That's a, a great example of someone just uh, addressing that and really drilling down on, uh, on that point with logic and just really questioning it, keep questioning it, and then eventually it will become natural. Uh, or that logic will help. At least it helps to get your mind in the right place, I think. Obviously, you know, that's the theory anyway. It takes a lot of work to get it to, you know, to get you to feel comfortable. But I think that's, that's getting yourself, getting your mind in the right place, at least. Did that help you when you started to question it? With logic? Definitely. It was, um, to be honest, it was the only thing keeping me calm was I just kept saying to myself, I love that, uh, that fact someone brought up, I just kept thinking, well, why would the pilot be flying these planes every day, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, that's, that's it, isn't it? And it's hard for us sometimes in the thick of it, especially if we're, you know, getting worked up about it, if we're feeling emotional about something, it's hard to, um, yeah, hard to, to deal with that. So we have to lean into the logic. I think that can make a big difference. Definitely. Um, one thing I'd love to touch on is this idea of growth mindset. Now, we've interviewed over... 100 people in this personal development space now and growth mindset is something that you know often gets preached on this show in fact the other day i interviewed um john asaraf and this was a big topic that me and him talked about so for you what are the fundamental differences between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset or what characteristics go into each person that fits into those molds and then how do we transition from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset? I think uh, the thing is that we can have fixed mindsets and growth mindsets in many different parts of our lives. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily you're someone with a fixed mindset and that's the only type of mindset you have. There's certain parts of our lives 
where we can end up having a fixed mindset, but maybe in a different section of our life, we'll have a growth mindset. And I think the key characteristics are just, it's just quite negative and quite closed if you're fixed about something. You're not open to new ideas. And actually, if you fail at something, well, then that's an indication that you should stop or that there's this fixed ability that you can't, you know, there's only so much natural talent that, that your natural talent will only get you so far that fixed traits are part of this fixed mindset. So I think um, with a fixed mindset, what can happen is people will close themselves off to their potential. Whereas if you have a growth mindset, you're very, very open and you're always looking to learn. I think, I think the key thing is what you take away from the experience. So with a fixed mindset, if you fail, it's a failure. If it's a growth mindset, when you fail, you're learning. So there's nothing, there's nothing bad about that. That failure isn't a problem. It's all part of the process. And it's just a slight shift in attitude that makes a massive difference. Because I think if you fail at something or if you're struggling with something and you see it as a disaster and that's it, that fixed mindset, that, that very negative way of thinking can stop you. Uh, and it can stop you from progressing in so many different areas in your life. Whereas if you have a growth mindset when something goes wrong then that's okay because you're learning from it and I think that is um, that's hugely important I found it really important I could see I had a very negative fixed mindset in a lot of areas in my life especially with anxiety when I first started experiencing it I thought that this was this was terrible um, but actually over time when I started learning about a growth mindset I flipped the whole situation and I started to see it as an opportunity for me to learn more about myself. So that actually really helped me. And I think uh, it can make a massive difference to a lot of people if you just slightly reframe uh, the failures or the difficulties as learning experiences. And that, that's a, a big one, actually. I think so far we've done a fantastic job of covering the sort of prelude to the really, the sexy part of this book. So let's dive into the bit that, you know, really captures everyone's attention. And that is the 43 weird and wonderful ways to build a strong, resilient mindset. So I want to jump in and explore some of these um, with yes. you because I think this is a really fun part of, of you know, the information you're putting out there. But before we do that, let's define them. So they're broken down into three categories. So you've got the skill challenges, you've got the physical challenges, and the mental challenges. What do each of these categories individually offer us that the others maybe don't? Okay, so yeah, there's three categories. The physical one is all about pushing your physical boundaries. So when you push your body, you're naturally going to push your mind. So you're going to experience discomfort and there's so much we can learn from pushing our bodies, um, especially with endurance and hard physical activity. The second category, skills. Is more about leaving our academic and intellectual comfort zones. So this is this is practicing growth mindset and putting into place all of these systems to deal with frustration and um, irritations and a lot of the challenges within this category. Uh, when we talk about them, you'll notice a lot of them are very fiddly and frustrating, and you know you've got to cultivate patience to deal with a lot of these challenges. Uh, and that's that's certainly a different way of pushing yourself out of your comfort zone 
And then the final category is the mental category, which is just generally discomfort. And that comes in many different forms from cold exposure to embarrassing yourself and just practicing um, dealing with that and just being uncomfortable. That's probably the most stoic category, I think, out of all of them. They're just general practicing adversity category, I guess. So let's start off with looking at the mental side then. In fact, let's look at, I've got it right in front of me, challenge number one in the book, which is taking a 10-minute cold shower. So I think a lot of people who follow the personal development space have heard of Wim Hof and his passion for this kind of exposure. And I think he goes into extreme detail, which maybe can lose a lot of people. But let's focus on you specifically. What did this challenge do for you specifically? And what were your experiences with it? Because I think, um, you know, if you were to give, you know, your experiences, it might be a bit more relatable to the people at home. Yeah. So this is a very simple exercise. It's just fighting against that resistance of, I don't want to get in the cold water, which we all experience. It doesn't matter how long you've been doing it there's still a little bit of mental resistance before you get into the cold because it's uncomfortable. Uh, But the more you do it, the easier it becomes. There's still resistance. And I think that's a good thing to play around with. Um, So for me, I remember the first time I had a cold shower, it was just, it was brutal. And uh, I found it so difficult. But over time, it's now become something I do every single day. And I know that there's a little bit of resistance that I have to push myself through but then afterwards I feel great. And it's, it's just a mindset thing that helps you to, it's a small challenge, um, but it helps you to keep up momentum. And I think it's a great way to, to push yourself. And obviously you can take it further and I've had ice baths and things. And if you have an ice bath, that's really, really, really painful. So you're having to work with pain and mental resistance and, you know, you can take it further in, in Finland. They, they do a lot of, frozen lake swimming Uh, i did this last year actually and i loved it you go into the frozen lake and then you get out and you go into the sauna and then you go back into the frozen lake and it's part of finnish culture so it's um it's something that they use a lot and i love that Uh, it was brilliant being in i remember last year i was in just outside helsinki and i went to this frozen lake there's a sauna by it and all of these elderly Finns just getting, they're just getting into the frozen lake as if it's nothing. So it was, uh, it was great to see that and really inspiring actually when everyone's getting in and it kind of encourages you to, to do that and to want to do it. So I found that yeah, that was a great experience, but leaning into that resistance, working with resistance is one of the things that um, the cold can do for us. Now, I wonder if there's any room for sort of crossover between these categories, because when I read this book, I was really inspired at the end. I really wanted to make myself uncomfortable. So, and I do plan on going through all the, all the 43 um, examples in the book and potentially documenting my experiences with them. But I thought for now, before I get into that, I wanted to set myself this challenge that I'd really hate something. I, I tried to think, what do I hate the most? And that is running. So at the start of this month, I set myself a challenge to run 200K in the entire month of June, which for me is horrible because that equals to like maybe 7 point something K a day. And yeah. so that is a physical challenge for myself. 
But what I found four days in, and especially this morning, is when it was time to go for the run, it wasn't the physical side that was bothering me. It was to, you know, drag myself up and actually make the step to walk out the door. So, so far in that challenge, I think the most uncomfortable bit is the mental side, even though it is technically a physical challenge. It's the running and being alone with my thoughts and being bored or dragging myself to make that first step when I don't feel like running today. Do you, do you agree that there is, you know, a crossover in some of those categories? Yeah, absolutely. I think they're all mental categories. You're right. Uh, and when we push our bodies, definitely we're dealing with a, a lot of mental resistance and how do we, uh, how do we cope when we're, our bodies are pushed? So I think, yeah, there's a, there's a huge crossover. But the categories are there to just help us, uh, help us see how we can step outside our comfort zones in different ways. Uh, and of course, you could, there's so many more ways that you can do that. But I feel that this has just been um, a clear way to indicate that there are different things that we can do to practice discomfort. It's not just, a, um, you know, sometimes it, it can be more than just a physical thing. There's lots of interesting ways that we can challenge ourselves. Uh, so, yeah, it was really an exploration of that, finding different categories. But, yeah, you're, you're definitely right. There's, there's a huge crossover mentally with a lot of them. So another mental challenge in the book, and this is one that I've recently managed to, to master quite a bit, especially during uh, lockdown in the UK, is becoming an early riser. So you know that it's a quick, you know, it's quick for a one-off practice, but it's epic as a daily practice. So what has waking up early done for you as a person and, and how has it allowed you to grow yeah so getting up early um i never used to be an early an early bird so that was really difficult for me to to change that uh, and again when the alarm goes off and you're tired there's resistance and when there's resistance then there's growth with that and i guess for me the early morning thing has allowed me to have time to well, firstly, do a lot of these challenges and, and also to write my book and create a morning routine that has made a, a huge difference to everything, really. And it's having that structure to the day. It's a great way to start the day. And filling it with things that you want to do is really good because it makes you want to get out of bed. And it's a really nice way to begin the day when you have a very solid routine you wake up and then you start cracking through that uh, and then you know come eight o'clock or whatever you're set to go and you've you've done everything that you wanted uh, and then the rest of the day can go from there so yeah i found that time and that space to be really uh, really beneficial actually i found um in my own experience that say for example if I'd normally wake up at 8 a.m. at the moment, I'm trying to wake up at 6 a.m. or 5.30 every morning. And my morning routine is pretty much, I like to get up. And the first thing I do in the morning is exercise. Because I think exercise is one of those things that, you know, until you get it out of the way for the day, it's going to be in the back of your mind as something that you feel obliged to do. So I like to get that done early. Uh, the first thing I do in the day um, because it doesn't require any, any technology or stimulation in that regard. So I think it's nice to have that hour uh, early in the morning where it's just you and, um, you know, just you in the natural world. 
And then from there is when I'll maybe check my emails and, and do my emails for the day, maybe um, liaise with some podcast guests or do some editing or, or whatever I need to do in that regard. And then I think for the sort of last hour to half hour until I would normally wake up, I like to do some studying. So, you know, at the moment, for example, I'm studying Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. So by the time I've normally woken up at eight o'clock, I've managed to exercise, I've managed to contribute to this podcast, and I've managed to better myself in um, the personal development regard. And then I think, like you said, by the time eight o'clock comes, you feel like you've almost got a head start on the day. You feel like you've almost cheated the system in a way. So I wonder what your morning routine looks like and what you like to get done. Yeah, so I think it's changed over time. uh, And it really depends on what's happening in my life. So it has evolved. But yeah, it's very similar to you. I tend to get up and then first thing at the moment, I mean, in lockdown, it's slightly different from Mm. how it used to be. But uh, it's still very similar. So I start start off, uh, get up and then I will exercise. And then after that, it's a cold shower. (laughs) And then it's normally meditation after that. And that's a nice way for me to set myself up. And then I think the bits after that vary. So maybe it'd be some reading or maybe it would be um, some writing and that's the kind of creative part. And I think when you, when I've done those three things, uh, exercise, cold shower and meditate, that's, that's always, that's pretty much every day. That's my start of the day. And then the next bit is quite flexible and it depends on what's happening, what's going on. Uh, So yeah, the writing or reading will come there. Now, the one that struck, accord with me and that's simply because i'm from wales i can't speak welsh fluently but you're often you know given phrases and certain things growing up or they tried to teach you welsh anyway and if you're like me you tend to ignore it but the longest train station in this country is called and pardon any slip slip up now you note that this is an easy and quick challenge but why are little challenges like this one that require you know, some focus and attention to detail uh, important for building a resilient mindset? Yeah, I, I love this one. It's, it's, a, it's a small challenge in, in the sense that it's not as committing as some of the other things in the book. Like, well, for me anyway, um, it was a smaller challenge. And I think it's nice to find small challenges that you can insert into your day. So a lot of the challenges range in how committing they are. Some of them are massive. So for instance, running a marathon is one of the things that I did. And that was hugely, that's a hugely committing goal. Uh, so that takes up a lot of time. And you can't have too many of those because otherwise you just, it's almost impossible to do that. So there's varying degrees of how committing things are. And I, I write about that. Each challenge, I tell you how committing it is. Uh, and this is a very low commitment level just takes a little bit of time to get your head around it. And that's been quite fun seeing the other end and how you can explore that. How can you find a quick challenge? Um, So that's where that came from, really. Uh, I think it's nice for us to insert challenges into our day in different places and looking for the smaller challenges builds up. They compound. The more you do them, the more you look for them. Little things that you can test yourself loads of different ways that are short you can do that 
in a lunch break or you can do that on the way to work and then you've you've done a little challenge and i think the more you do these things they compound and actually the end result is that you've done all these little things and each time you're having to work with you know frustration and that's a hard one as well i think to to get it to sound right um my my accent is probably horrific if i were to if i were to say it so i think it's um it's been quite interesting to explore the smaller things speaking of um smaller little challenges and just to go back on something you'd already talked about um and you mentioned in your morning routine you like to now and again meditate i think yeah. this idea of meditation and mindfulness is you know it's, it's growing uh in the personal development space i've noticed but i think for a lot of people who may not be as open-minded there's a sort of stigma attached to it where people think of meditation and they think they automatically think of religious practice or yeah. spirituality and they get put off because they think well you know I, I i don't believe in higher power so what am i you know meditating for they see all these sort of hollywood depictions of these sort of voodoo hippie guys meditating and it puts them off. So, you know, in, in breaking that stigma, I think meditation looks different for a lot of people. So for me, uh, for example, it's just a case of, you know, I like to sit on the floor, put my phone on a timer for maybe five minutes and just try and focus on my breath. And, you know, if my, if my mind gets away and starts thinking of something else, I'll simply just notice the thought and try and return back to my breath. And, and I think that's as simple as it gets uh, for me. But I wonder what meditation looks like for you. Yeah, it's really similar, actually. I, I think that if you want to learn what your mind is like, you need to pay attention to it. And meditation is a great way to do that. It's, uh, it can be very secular. It doesn't have to have any religious or um, any connotations like that at all. I think you can explore it and just learn how your mind gets so easily distracted and that's the thing that's quite interesting the first time you meditate you just try and sit there and just focus on one thing you just realize how hard that is it's so difficult to just focus on your breathing and that says a lot about our minds and how they work so it's actually a very scientific thing to do and to explore there's i highly recommend sam harris's waking up app it's that's completely uh, scientific and it comes from things uh it comes at things from that angle so i think if anyone wants to look and explore meditation then this is a great place to start and it's there's a course and there's loads of different things that you can do with it but it's it's just a guided meditation and they're 10 minutes long and he just talks you through it just like you were saying there's a little timer and you just pay attention to different things and that's it there's no there's nothing else going on it's just focusing on your breathing or different parts of your body and paying attention to your mind as well it's really interesting so i think a lot of people can benefit from that so i'll turn to you for this question as we move on to the physical um category there are physical challenges in this book like completing a triathlon the beep test for example but what would you say is your favorite or least favorite even physical challenge in the book and why? Okay. So for me, I think talking about some of my mountaineering experiences, hmm. probably my favorite physical challenge. 
I think that's because I started to push myself with my climbing. Before I started doing all these challenges, I did climb a bit. But then after having all this anxiety and actually creating these challenges as a platform to practice all the philosophy, climbing really came to the fore and it became something that I would use as a way to push myself in loads of different areas, mentally as well as physically. So some of the mountaineering experiences that I've had have done that. They've been really physically demanding, uh, but also mentally as well. So I think, uh, you know, some of the places that I've been because of climbing have really inspired me. And I've been to some uh, incredible mountain ranges and um, done a lot of climbing that's been really exciting. So I guess it's that element of excitement that I like around the climbing. And um, you also get some great pictures when you're climbing. It's mm. nice to, um, to be in that environment as well. Mm. Looking forward now. So you've, you've tackled these 43 ways of making yourself feel uncomfortable. So at yeah. this point, you must be quite comfortable in a lot of areas. What makes Ben Aldridge uncomfortable now? <laughs> still a lot of stuff there's still a lot of stuff there's a lot of growth to be had um and this is just my uh i guess it's just warming up really isn't it it's, uh, there's no limit to this and you can really push yourself um i have still got some things that i really want to do that are on the list and uh giving blood is one of them i've really uh struggled with needles i actually talk about a fear massive fear of needles uh, in the book and to deal with this, I went and had acupuncture, which if you hate needles, this is like horrific. The thought of deliberately going out of your comfort zone, like leaning into a fear like that and turning it into a challenge. So um, I went and had acupuncture and that was a funny experience, but I had it quite a lot actually. And that really did change my relationship with it. So the next step for me is giving blood because blood is, is something that I, I struggle with. So that's mm. going to be interesting and I, that's on my list. That's something that I will find very difficult, but I'm looking forward to doing it. What I find fascinating about putting yourself in uncomfortable situations, it, it almost becomes quite addictive. I was So this has been a subject that me and... Uh, my co-host Joe on this podcast, we, we've talked about extensively before and we've tried to do. So for example, you know, I entered myself in a marathon because I hated running. Joe, he's always struggled with uh, pouring himself out there and then people see him. So we sort of come up with this idea and we got him to enter a ballroom dance competition. There's something he's never done before just to make himself yeah. feel uncomfortable. For me, after this running challenge, I was thinking this morning on my run that the next thing I want to do, for example, is compete in, you know, like a white collar boxing match just to give myself that fear of, you know, standing across from someone and knowing that they're going to try and knock you out, for example. It's just an uncomfortable place. And I think that, it, you know, you can step it up and again, you know, up and up and up every time. So for someone like you, I worry where this might end up. We're not going to see you try and climb Mount Everest one day, are we? <laughs> I think there's obviously, you know, you can keep going, but it's just, it's more about just having adventures and exploring this. Um, you'll find a limit. There is a limit, of course. You know, you don't, just because you are afraid of something doesn't mean that you can change your fear. You can change your relationship with that. 
but there will still be a limit and there will still be things that you don't have to do. It's not necessarily about um, proving to anyone else. It's more of a personal journey, I think, and it's just playing around with it and exploring it and pushing yourself and seeing what works. Because I think what can happen is this whole, this whole project has been these challenges are the platform that we talked about the philosophy at the start. These challenges are the way to practice that. So really what you're doing is you're training for life because I think we all face adversity. Things happen that are outside of our control. And I think for me, I didn't have anything in place. So now exploring these ideas and having philosophical concepts that I can use and I know that have worked because I did X, Y, and Z when I was running my marathon, that has helped me. And I think that this whole thing is just, it's fun and it's, you know, you should explore it. And I think it's finding the balance of not, not being ridiculous and pushing <laughs> yourself to the point of, you know, self-destruction. I think it's just pushing yourself enough to see growth and mm. just to keep going and just exploring it and being open. And who knows where you'll end up off the back of that exploration, really. So looking back um, on your personal journey and the time you spent completing these challenges, what are some of the biggest and most important lessons you learned on your journey? So I think for me, the most important thing has been learning how to, well, having a system or having ideas and systems in place for dealing with adversity. Because when I first started to experience anxiety, I didn't have anything in place. I didn't know what I could do to deal with this. So now I've got all of these tools and tricks and these come from loads of different places, like we were saying earlier. Um, and I think exploring that and having a personal system that I can now lean on when I face difficult situations has been massive. And I think we'll all find that in different places. For me, Stoicism, Buddhism and growth mindset were hugely influential but for other people it's going to be different things and I think it's worth exploring what ideas we can all use to face difficulty when it comes up because we, we can guarantee that we will face difficulty in life no one is going to get away with it without experiencing difficulty so I think it's it's great to arm ourselves with ideas so that's that's the big thing for me is just been collecting things that I find useful and testing them out, testing the water with all of these things, these different challenges. Mm. So that's been a big lesson for me, I think. Finding systems that work personally. They're not going to work for everyone, but they work for me. So I encourage people. There's a, there's a big part of this project where I encourage people to A, find their own philosophy and B, find their own challenges. These are just my examples of challenges. But there are so many different things and we should challenge ourselves depending upon who we are. So we're all going to experience um, adversity in different ways and we're all going to be challenged by different things. So it's, it's figuring out what would push you as well. So as we start to wrap up, I have some questions that we ask every guest that comes on the show. So they're non-specific. The yeah. first one, um, I mean, I guess we've already answered it really because you wrote the whole book on it. What are some of the sort of, societal rules or societal norms that you love to break? I think some of the challenges that I've been doing 
are slightly unconventional. Mm. So I think it's been looking for ways to push myself in a different direction. So I would say, for, for example, one of the challenges is to cue unnecessarily and to focus on your mind while you're doing it. So that is not something that you would normally challenge yourself with. That's a different kind of uh, challenge, I guess. It's quite unusual. And if you're like me and you get frustrated, it's really hard to go and stand in a queue and then leave the queue at the end because you haven't validated the queuing for any reason. So I think there's lots of things, especially in the book, there's some of the challenges I've been doing that aren't straightforward and are slightly bizarre. And I think it's been fun to do a lot of those. And yeah, so I'd say that's probably the main thing, just looking outside of the box for ways to push myself. So this book, um, you know, is I, I'm sure from reading it, it's going to impact so many people's lives once they pick it up. And that begs the question, what books have you read in your life that have had a massive impact on you and who you are? Okay, so the three, I think the three books that I always talk about uh, and I always recommend to people. The first one is Mindset by Carol Dweck. And that really explores what we were talking about earlier with the growth and fixed mindset. She does a lot, she does a better job of explaining it than I do, but she's, she's done this, all this research, she's incredible, um, incredible book that I think is essential reading for everyone. Um, so that's the first one. The second one, I think, uh, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway is a book I really love. And that's about counterintuitively leaning into our fears. So that, that one had a huge impact on me, especially when I was really anxious and I didn't know what to do. That, that really spoke to me. And then the one that I always recommend is um, The Obstacle is Away by Ryan Holiday. I mentioned that earlier. But if you're looking to get into stoicism, this book is really just about stoicism. In my book, I talk about it a bit, but if you want to really drill down on stoicism, this is a great place to start. So I think those three are my favorite books. But of course, there's so many more I could recommend, but I think three is probably, that's a manageable amount. Now, this next question could be people that you've known your entire life, or it could be people you've never met in your entire life. Who are some of the biggest mentors for you? Some of the biggest mentors? I think... Um, my, I talk about this in the book actually my dad how he's naturally very stoic uh, a lot of the things that he's uh, I'll save this because I think it, there's a nice story in the book about an experience he has mm. and um, the way he deals with it well actually a lot of experiences the way he deals with it is very very stoic and after exploring stoicism it was amazing to actually see how he just did a lot of this without you know knowing about it this is just how he was uh, or how he is um so i think that's been really interesting you know he's always been this way but now after studying all this philosophy and exploring stoicism to suddenly see that someone you know this figure in your life has actually been adhering to a lot of these principles the whole time um it's quite interesting so yeah i'd say that that's that's really nice Um, but yeah there's so many role models and so many uh, amazing people um but i think yeah i think that's that's a good place that's a that's a concise answer i guess it's a beautiful answer man and the the last main question i have for you um so if you can somehow 
think of all the lessons, all the messages you've learned in your life and sort of, you know, condense them down. So let's think of a scenario in which every person on the planet is tuned into the same frequency. And you are given the opportunity to broadcast a message or a lesson that you think that every person in the world should hear and could benefit from. What would Ben Aldridge's message to the world be? <laughs> okay, it's quite, you know, that's quite an important message. I think, um, I think for me, the thing that I bang on about a lot and that I feel has had a huge impact on my life and I think that it can do for a lot of people is I believe that stepping outside of our comfort zones is the greatest way to build resilience. So I think that interpret that as you want, but just step out of your comfort zone and explore that. And I think we can have a lot of fun with it and we can, you know, it's going to look different for everyone. Everyone is in a different place. Um, and I think it's, yeah, it's an interesting concept and we can have fun with it. But I think that there's huge growth that can be had when we step outside of what we're comfortable doing. Ben, where can our audience get more of you? Where can they connect with you on social media, buy the book, your website, plug away, my man? Okay, so to connect with me, my website, benaldridge.com, is the best place to see uh, links to my book. I've got a blog on there, and there's links to my social media as well. Uh, I'm very active on Instagram. That's probably the best place to find me. Uh, and that handle is at do things that challenge you. Perfect. So those are the two places I think that would be best to connect with me. Awesome, man. We'll make sure that's linked in the description below. I, I've been on a few podcasts recently and I just, I absolutely love yours. I've got hooked. I've, I've been listening to, I think I've done more prep listening to yours than anyone else's actually. You've had some amazing guests and I think you've got a really great format. And uh, yeah, so I was absolutely buzzing when I got uh, the invite to come on this. So thank you so much for reaching out. And thank every single one of you for listening. Before you guys go, if you guys want to grow healthier, wealthier and wiser, then join up to our free newsletter where there's no marketing, there's no nonsense. We're not trying to sell you anything. Just every Monday, we send you guys our thoughts and our research into different bits of information that will help you guys grow in three areas of health, wealth, and wisdom. So to sign up to that, head over to freedompact.co.uk and start your week off right. 